Welcome back to another edition of the Star Tribune's Talking Preps. I'm Jim Paulson with my colleague David Levesque. It's the first one of the new year, David. First uh, Talking Preps edition of 2022. I would love to come on and say we have all kinds of new ideas and new thoughts and new uh, features that we're doing. Uh, I, I, we don't. It's just the same old us talking about the same old things. Um, hopefully we'll find a way to make them interesting for you. Um, did you have a good New Year's, Dave? It was quiet, but that was the kind of New Year's we needed in our household. How about you? It's been quiet for me for the past 10 or 15 years. I I can <laughs> still remember when, when it really happened for me was when my son was still a baby. And this is what, 1998, I guess. Um, I was I was fixing the kitchen floor and uh, getting ready to put down new uh, uh put new flooring down and when uh, it struck 12 and my son was sleeping in my wife's arms that's when i realized we are now domestic and partying on new year's eve is not even in my wheelhouse anymore well you pass the baton of the next generation at that moment yeah yeah for me it's uh, for me it's so much about the recovery the next day it just takes too long so, yeah, the, the, we've gone out a few times on New Year's Eve since, but it's always been kind of low-key, and you know, it was definitely low-key this year. All right. And now we're getting into the 2022 high school sports season in earnest. It's time for the uh, tournament season, the silly season, as I like to call it, to be over and to get down into conference play and really determining who's doing what and the, who's uh, uh, the top teams in the, in, in the state at this time of year. Uh, you being our lead hockey reporter, you know, Mr. Puck, why don't you uh, enlighten us where we are in the world of uh, high school hockey right now? Yeah, well, I, I, when it comes to hockey, I, I, I take exception to the notion of the silly season characterization of the holiday tournaments because there's a dress rehearsal component to it. There are very few occasions where you're going to play three games in three days. That That's the tournament format. And to be able to do that over the holidays, that, that's a good way to kind of figure out where you're at and, and what it means to to, to get up and, and give it your best the next day and, and then the, and the day after that. I mean, that, that's that's state tournament level demand. And, and I think to go through that over the holidays is, is an important uh, prep for where you want to go. Um, with that said, the on the boys hockey side, uh, the word that comes to mind is volatile, because if you are number one, you aren't number one for very long. Uh, that that title has been passed around. And if you look at the – that just broke down the top five. Uh, you know, Andover, this, this they had just been uh, given the number one ranking on, uh, on New Year's Eve uh, is when the uh, rankings came out from Let's Play Hockey. Andover is number one. The day before, they had lost to Rosemount. <laughs> so – so they went, they, you know, you hear number one with a bullet. They were, they were number one with, I don't know what exactly, but it wasn't a bullet. Oh, that's the question I have is at least wait until you get the ranking before, you know, you, you, know, you give it up. How did they yeah. know that was happening? Yeah, that's right. Uh, number two ranked is Rozo, and they just came off a loss. They got throttled last night by War Road, 5 nothing, And War Road, for all of their hockey tradition, when you break it down to the to, to the brass tacks, they're a single A program, and if you're a double A program, getting throttled by a single A, I don't care what rivalry it is, that's going to affect your ranking. So I don't expect Roseau to be number two very much longer. Um, number three is uh, Lakeville South. Uh, they've only lost once this year, but it was to Edina, and you know that's that's a respected loss. And 
Hill Murray at number four. Uh, they, they just got done getting beat by Andover. Uh, and then Edina has lost uh, three times. They've lost to Eden Prairie, uh, to Moorhead, to St. Thomas Academy. Uh, six is Maple Grove. They had been number one for a while, and they, they had beaten Lakeville South, who had been number one, and then Maple Grove got bounced out of that. So very volatile, going back to the to the to what I said at the beginning. So that's that's a snapshot of the boys' double A for you. In other words, what you're saying is there isn't any one dominant team this year or any matchup that we're really looking forward to come playoff time and to see what this team can do. It's going to be a wide-open year. Uh I, I guess if you look at it, Andover Section Seven, Lakeville or Rosos Section Eight, Lakeville South Section One, Hill Murray's four, Edina six, Maple Grove is five. You have to get down to seven and eight to get really intriguing because St. Thomas Academy and Creighton Durham Hall are both Section Three, so that's going to be a real dogfight. And then uh, then it's Benilde and YZ after that, and in Section Six. So there's still a lot of sections that, in my mind, have a clear front runner and. Uh, so I, I do think that, that there, there is some predictability ahead for the playoffs as far as that's concerned. I was speaking primarily of the state tournament, however, though. There isn't a state, the state tournament champion or state tournament favorite. Once you get to the big dance, it's going to be a wide open, anybody can win it type of affair, I'm assuming. Well, yeah, given the way they're knocking each other off, it's certainly what I like, it, what we're talking about and we'll continue to talk about is we're talking about a lot of non-conference games against the better teams. And we didn't have that luxury last year when we had a reduced season and no non-conference. Uh, we It's back this year and, and you're seeing it's revealing a lot about who's who. And I think we're better for it. What are you looking at it, uh, on the girls side of things? I am very, I am very surprised what I'm seeing on the girls' side thus far. Uh, I, I thought Minnetonka, with with their team that they had coming back, plus their their uh, half a dozen imports, I thought they were going to be number one and stay there the whole time. They're currently third. However, their two losses have both come to Andover, and that, those are respectable losses because Andover, of course, has been right there with the Dyna the last two years. Andover's 12 and 0, and like I said, they've beaten Tonka twice. That's two nice feathers in their cap. Edina is 11 and one. Their only uh, loss came against Tonka. So there's a little bit of that volatility on the girls' side that we just talked about in boys. Uh, Rosemount only has one loss, but it's to Lakeville South, uh, and Lakeville South only has one loss, and that was in the season opener to uh, against Northfield, and they've won 12 in a row since. So it's um, among those top teams. There, there's a little bit of uh, you know who's you know who's knocking off who and, and who's wearing the crown and for how long uh so those themes exist uh, across the sexes in uh, in hockey this year so far how about with the girls side with class 1a and it's always a little bit more um uncertain who's going to emerge there i know that uh, uh gentry academy is now in class 2a where i think we both feel they should be um I think Warroad was last I checked was ranked number one in, in Class 1A, although I haven't seen the most current rankings. Is there anything in Class 1A that we should be paying attention to? Oh, you know, Warroad is number one. We, we haven't seen the latest uh, hockey rankings. It feels like it was forever ago that, that these came out last Friday, but but that's just it. It's not even been a week yet. It just feels like it's been longer when you, you know, transfer into the new year and the holiday season and so on. But Warroad is still hanging number one. Uh, Orono second, Mount West Tonka third, Proctor Hermantown fourth, Fergus Falls fifth. A lot, a lot of familiar names in there. Um, nothing that 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 is is too surprising. Um, you know, War, you know, War Road and Orono, they, they've been playing well. 
you know, and they've been teams that have made runs and, you know, and, and so we'll, I guess we'll see what, you know, what we get into here as January rolls on. And cause you know, the, the girls, they wrap things up a couple weeks earlier, earlier than the boys. So, whereas right now Andover is number one in, in girls hockey at 12 and 0, uh, the boys are only, you know, nine, two and one. So they, well, I guess that's equal, but you know, the season are, well, what am I trying to say? The, the, you're, we're going to find out more sooner on the girls' side because the season starts to ramp up into the playoffs uh, two weeks before the boys. So more to come as January rolls along. Yeah, that's not that far down the road here. And we're talking about, you know, uh, end of January. And but we've got about a month in the regular season to go to really establish something before we get cranked up for the playoffs. It's it's uh, it's going to come quick. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. As far as the, the state of hockey, in the state of hockey, David, what is your uh, opinion on the state of uh, hockey right now? Is there anything that we need to know? Anything we need to talk about? Any issues or stories out there that are are compelling or, or worth paying attention to? Well, I'm not going to uh, tip all. Of, I'm not going to play all my cards right now. But we're I'm working on some things, um, particularly in girls hockey that are they're coming up. Uh, things that uh, involve War Road. You'll read more about in Saturday's paper. Uh, and then we've got some other things that I'll, I'll divulge as we get a little bit further and closer to delivering. So, yeah, close to the vest, man. Don't want to, you know, play your hand before you have to. Good idea. Well, these are not matters of national security, but you know, you you, you want to try to be a leader in your in what you do. So, you know, no sense in giving it away for free. Makes sense to me. Anyway, moving right along, um, we also have a basketball season that has really getting cranked up here. Um, a couple of uh, major notes to, to point out. Number one is two of the University of Minnesota's prize recruits coming out of the Metro uh, are uh, are shelved, and we don't know how long that they will be shelved for on basketball. One is Farrell Payne, the 6'9 forward from Park of Cottage Grove, who was a uh, gopher uh, recruit and signee. Um, hasn't played a game this season, basically, because he's got a hip injury, and there really is no timeline as to far... Uh, when he's going to be able to come back. There's, people keep wondering where we're going to be with Farrell Payne's hip injury, but it sounds like there's an awful lot of uh, differing opinion of how long uh, he needs to be out and when he can come back. So that's still up in the air. I, I know there's people with more knowledge than I, I have that would know a little bit more, but right now we have yet to see Farrell Payne, who kind of came out of nowhere out of the club season. Uh, he wasn't a standout on the high school season last year, but uh, – He's someone a lot of people really want to get a chance to look at this year, and people are, uh, are uh, you know, kind of chomping at the bit, bit to watch Farrell Payne before he shows up at Williams Arena next year. Um, the other one we're talking about is Mara Braun. Unfortunately, the the uh, um, star slashing guard from uh, YZ, who can be a superstar at the University of Minnesota under uh, Lindsey Whalen, um, is out with a PCL injury in her knee. She had an, an ACL tear. In her in, in her knee last year, actually, is after the end of her sophomore year, and she came back last year. Uh, finally, you know, got back to her game by the end of the season. But it's unfortunate she's down with another injury this year. I I can't tell you for sure if it's the same knee or not. Um, but it's unfortunate for everyone uh, looking forward to watching future Gophers, uh, at least in uh, uh, high school girls basketball. You still got a few others that you can keep an eye on. Uh, you've got. Uh, uh, Nia Holloway at, at uh, Eden Prairie. You've got Mallory Heyer at uh, Chaska and Amaya Battle at uh, Hopkins are still up and playing and playing well. I saw that uh, Chaska just beat uh, Eden Prairie the other day in, in girls basketball. Um, so you get a chance to watch them. 
And there's always Braden Carrington at Park Center, who's probably been the best player in uh, high school basketball in Minnesota so far this year. Uh, he's another one that's headed to the University of Minnesota. So it's it's not terrible news. I mean, the sky is not falling, but it's uh, unfortunate that two players at Minnesota have uh, kind of hitched their wagons to are uh, are down for the count for a while. Well, and given given this everything this generation of players has been through with with shortened seasons or or no seasons at all, it, it, enough's enough with adversity. Please, let's just let these kids play. Yeah, let's have let's have some good news to report for once, please. So, um, and 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 on, on team side of things, you know, in uh, boys basketball, and girls basketball, in boys basketball, what we're looking at is many of the the, the same old names are at, near the top of the. Uh, near the top of the um, heap again this year. You know, Park Center with Carrington has been great. I think they're undefeated. Shakopee has been good. Why Zeta, uh, the defending state champs, have lost three times, but uh, the team is good enough, and there's enough on that the squad that they're that they're still among the top teams in the state. Um, you know, Hopkins, once again, is good. And I've got a little Hopkins issue I want to bring up later if we have a chance to get to it. Um, so those are the teams we're looking at in boys basketball. Uh, East Ridge, again, and over in, in Class 3A is my favorite team in uh, boys basketball this year, one I'm always rooting for, and that's South St. Paul. You know, South St. Paul has the reputation of being a, a hockey town. You know, the Doug Woog and their state high school tournament history, even though they've never won a championship, how many appearances they made. To see South St. Paul being a, a basketball powerhouse is, is kind of unique and kind of interesting. They, I think they were 19-3 last year. I believe they're 8-0 this year, and they've got – a terrific, terrific guard in Alonzo Dodds, who's uh, can do just about anything you want to do. He's smooth. He's he's a team leader. He can score if he needs to. He can dish if he needs to. He's he's the he's just uh, has that kind of slick, not over the top, but just very calm and does everything right. Um, he's a, definitely a guy you want to go watch. You've also got Columbia Heights that's undefeated. So you've got two. You know, kind of inner ring suburbs that are that are really dominating in class uh, uh, in class three A in boys basketball. Number one is Tatino Grace, who is four and one, haven't played in more than a week, but their only loss has been to a team from California. So uh, that's um, what we're looking at, boys in boys basketball and in girls basketball. Uh, it's it's again once a lot of the same the same teams, and the one name that jumps out is Hopkins. Um, they're doing exactly what we expect Hopkins to do. They're undefeated. It's actually the uh, late conference in girls basketball is what we're looking at. I mean, Hopkins is uh, 8-0. Minnetonka, I believe, is uh, 9-0. Eden Prairie is 8-1. and And they're the teams that are top three, a top class uh, 4A in girls basketball. So if you want to watch uh, good basketball, and just go to a late conference girls game. Chances are you're going to see some good basketball break out there. So that's what we're looking at in girls basketball at this point. Uh, just hopefully we can see uh, um, Mara Braun and Farrell Payne get back uh, onto the hard court and show what they can do before the end of the season. I'd like to uh, revisit South St. Paul for a second. So do you know what the name of the arena in town is? The hockey arena, I should say. Um, formerly, is, is it is it uh, Doug Woog? The Woog yes. Arena? The former yes. Or formerly Wakota. Is it Doug Woog Wakota Arena? Is it, is it a combination name? But yeah. I think it's so, just Doug Woog. So Doug Woog is, and yes, they, they had Phil Housley. They've had other guys. They had current NHL players. So South St. Paul, very steeped in hockey tradition. But 
Woogs is the name on the arena in town, and that 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 elevates him a bit. I think he's I, I do think he's South St. Paul's favorite hockey son. But the interesting thing about it, this is this is uh, in context with basketball. That was his preferred winter sport, but he failed a basketball physical when he was in fifth grade. He had he, he had an uh, irregular heartbeat, and do, doctors wouldn't let him allow, allow him to play. So he had to go outside and and play at the mud hole, which is a uh, you know a, a community frozen, you know flooded uh, uh, rink at the time. It's it's now a shopping mall, but back then that's where he was playing, and and uh, that's you know he. He never, you know, that was never the goal. He, he said, he said, he said, you were crazy to go out there and play hockey in the cold weather. Hockey wasn't the elite. That was a working class, you know. He, so he, that, that ended up being where he uh, made his name for himself. He's, which is, and it probably worked out for the better. He only grew to be about five foot seven anyway. So he, um, he was a little bit um, vertically challenged to be a superstar basketball player. Right. He's going to be also, you know, so even the, you know, how, how South St. Paul's favorite hockey son had basketball roots. So it's all comes full circle. Speaking of basketball, there's something that happened. Oh gosh, I guess about two or three weeks ago, but I wanted to, we haven't had a chance to bring up. I wanted to talk about, and I want to get your thoughts if you have any. Um, uh, Jaden Moore is a young up and coming basketball star at Hopkins. I think he's only in eighth grade. He, he did a move on Twitter, uh, kind of a behind the back, um, dribble where he a spin move which ended up in a in a three-pointer jump shot that missed the mark that got posted by overtime sports one of these social media uh, um, propaganda sites that are proliferating in particularly surrounding basketball and overtime sports showed the highlight and they said I did something that I don't I don't care this move is tough tuff which is the new preferred um, word for superlative uh, superlative for uh, Overtime sports, it received an awful lot of backlash, including from one Kevin Durant. Uh, and Durant uh, actually said, "This move is," and starts with an S. You know, you can you can figure out what that that word was. Taking down that that move by Jaden Moore, um, it got it got uh, a, a lot of play. It went viral when Durant uh, tweeted that. And his tweet, was his intent was to say that, uh, I think he followed up by saying, "It's about habits, man." About having good habits, not valuing style over substance, you know, being less concerned about flash and about getting the job done. But uh, it really opened up an awful lot of a can of worms um, for people who were a little bit taken aback by a big superstar like Durant coming out and uh, te- tearing a high school kid, actually an eighth grader, apart for his move. And a lot of people commented on that. Many agreed with him, though, however, though, and uh, it just shows where what basketball has always had an element of flash to it. I won't deny that that that's always been a part of the game. Um, where I've had people when I was a kid playing basketball, we used to talk about getting style points. You don't, but for a lot of people, that's the way basketball is played. Um, but the fact that we're talking about these social media outlets like Overtime and Slam and Fresh Coast Hoops and some of these other ones that are promoting these kids, and I call it propaganda over the style of, of gameplay and team play. That's the way basketball has gone in recent years. Um, and, and I'm glad to see others like Kevin Durant, big-time players, um, calling it out and saying maybe this is something we shouldn't be promoting at this point. Maybe we should be promoting good, solid team play. I mean, the move that the kid made, actually, a lot of people commented and said that was a double dribble and uh, a travel at the same time. And <laughs> the fact 
missed the shot and the fact that he didn't follow his shot looking for a rebound. There were people who were just ripping it apart. By, uh, um, more to his credit, you know, tweeted positively saying that he he's thanks for the feedback to Kevin Durant and hopefully that they could work together and he can learn from him, which I give credit to the kid. He didn't take it personally. But I, I wanted to say that it's good to see somebody calling this kind of stuff out to maybe actually have be able to play basketball, to play the sports, and to do it um, the way it should be done. Yeah, I mean, I think kids are, are more skilled than ever, and I think kids um, can do more than ever and can do it from a younger age. But I think those things should always be a product of you know, what the game necessitates um, and kind of a more of an organic reaction to, to make a move and you know, wow, how did he do that? You know, just using that athleticism in the moment rather than making it a, a you know, a, a preordained or a pre, you know, just it would it would be nice to see more more of that. Just, just you know, don't don't make the first first goal to to be flashy. You know, make the first goal to, to be a a play that's going to contribute to your team. And if it if it if it required a little bit of flash or something cool to make it happen, then more power to you. But you know, I think we've got the We've got the priorities a little bit backwards. Yeah, you know, and it, it even the the attention to that move actually uh, even brought out some big names to comment on it. Ken Novak, the Hopkins coach, was interviewed and talked about how he was disappointing that disappointed that uh, an eighth grader got called out in in the national media and that uh, he went viral and that uh, it, he really didn't deserve that. And then it kind of, you know. Labeled him back what he said to the player. I mean, instead of you know making a kid a victim all the time, can we? Is there any coachable moment for Ken Novak? Did he address that? Uh, they that was not addressed in any of the stories. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that Novak um, has probably talked about that. I mean, he's a he's a veteran basketball coach, and they've been successful and had plenty of flashy players over the day. I'm sure that uh, Novak knows what he's doing as far as that goes. But uh, the fact that it was called out on a national basis, even the, the story even ran in uh, places like the New York Post on Kevin Durant, you know, making this uh, comment on the, the Twitter and how it went viral. But uh, it's just something I thought that should be brought up. This is not an indictment of Jaden Moore by any means. I mean, he's a, he's a fine young man, a fine young basketball player. By his response, shows that there's an awful lot of character and good direction from his parents, you know, and showing him what's what's right and what way to go with that. Um, you can easily see a lot of people on Twitter that that can take offense to things like that and and you know make it uh, drag it down to a quagmire, drag it down into the mud, and they didn't do that, and they're to be commended for that. And and more will probably learn that these are the types of moves that, that you want to try to limit. I know his supposedly Moore's father had challenged him to make it do a play like that, um, and 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 get it on on video, and he did, and they got their the response, although I don't think they quite expected the response they got. But uh, it's just, it's it's a teaching moment. It really is. It's a teachable moment for anybody in basketball and anybody in any sports to make sure you put style and flash uh, in the backseat behind the substance of what you play and how to do things the right way because that's what wins games. Uh, I just fear that sometimes we get worried too much about how something looks versus what it actually does. Yeah, that's very fair. Moving right along, moving right along. Um, a couple of football notes, David. 
Yeah, well, we got uh, Quinn Carroll, who had uh, gone on television to announce he was leaving town to go to Notre Dame. He's busy. Uh, I think he was a top-rated recruit uh, as an offensive lineman out of Edina a few years ago. Uh, Notre Dame wasn't. Uh, he didn't have a Rudy moment, so he's <laughs> he's done with Notre Dame, and he's uh, entered the what do we call it, the transfer portal, and and he's coming back to home to to play for the University of Minnesota, where his father played. And then Not the other name of sounds like Carroll was kind of buried on the depth chart by some other guys that were his age, and you know with the transfer portal making things so much easier to move about now, it makes a lot of sense if he you know read the room, read the tea leaves that maybe he wasn't going to have looking at the career at Notre Dame that he'd hoped, and that Minnesota with uh, a number of offensive linemen that are leaving this year, um, having some possible openings, it, it, it seems like it was a, a logical move. Oh, and then uh, another another uh, private uh, another a uh, I was going to say private school, but I I get confused about Edina sometimes. It's actually public. <laughs> so the uh, Creed Aramont very negative in the new year. I got to change that already. I'm already I'm already lost my uh, resolution. Bill, basically, what you're saying there is that the educational the quality of education at Edina High School is is so high that it can be compared with your your elite level. Um, private institutions. That's kind of what you're trying to say there, right? Without question. And I thank you for, for digging me out of that hole. Uh, <laughs> so coming back to uh, the Twin Cities, one Steve Walsh. Uh, he was a star at Creighton Durham Hall as a quarterback back in the mid-1980s. Went on to win a national championship at uh, Miami and then uh, bounced around the NFL for a number of years and, and had, a, you know, had a decent career there. So he's coming back home to uh, to coach the, the uh, Creighton Durham football program that has has seen better days, and uh, you had a great you had a great statistic on that. Yeah, I mean uh, this is a Creighton Durham Hall program that has always been one of the elite teams in the state of Minnesota and has been for a long time. They deserve headlines anytime they make a move. They've only won eight games in the past three years, uh, only four in the past two years. You know that's that's not up to Creighton standards and. Uh, um, they dropped down to Class 5A from 6A this year, which you know, is the class they should have been in, according to enrollment. But uh, it's it's Creighton trying to get back up to the, the level of, of quality that they've had for a long time, and they're doing with a big name in, in Steve Walsh, who, frankly, I'm not surprised it took him a lot this long to get a job back in town. You know, he was a Creighton star, and he left and didn't go to the University of Minnesota. That was another one of Sid's predictions coming true. Never get a job in this town again. It took him 30 years to get back here. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm being facetious about that. But, uh, but uh, you know, welcome back, uh, Steve Walsh. We'll see if uh, if he can make a difference. Um, well, he goes, he goes back so far. It was actually still Creighton then. Uh, they, yeah. hadn't, they hadn't merged with the girls' school. So they, they were just Creighton. As a senior in 1984, uh, Steve Walsh led the team to their first state tournament appearance. Creighton had never been there before 1984. And uh, a few years later, they became the, the juggernaut that, that we've known them to be for a long time. But, but in some ways, he, he's got the same work ahead of him. He's, he, you know, they're, they're, he has to, to, to kind of get them places. Uh, for in, 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 you know, and as a player, it was for the first time ever. And for now, it's for the first time in a, in a while. So similar challenge all these years later for Mr. Walsh. We wish him well. And, you know, the, their arch rivals, the team uh, that uh... – I even wrote about that this past year when they re renewed their rivalry. St. Thomas Academy has, has eclipsed St. Uh, Creighton where they've been going in the past few years. 
So that's that's interesting. Well, they have to try to keep up with uh, St. Thomas. So it'll it'll be interesting to watch and see what uh, what Steve Walsh is able to do there. And I'm sure that the alumni are going to be a little bit jazzed. I think Walsh was coaching in the CFL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you know, welcome back, Steve Walsh, to uh, to your alma mater. Very good. I think that's about all we have for today. Um, I'm sure there's more that we're not getting to, uh, but I'm sure we'll have a chance to uh, to touch on the things that we haven't talked about this week, next week. As it is, thanks for joining us. Um, don't forget to uh, take a look at uh, what we're doing, not only at StarTribune.com, but also on the uh, basketball hub and the hockey hubs and the wrestling hubs that we have on the uh, on the website. We're, we're, thanks for joining us. <laughs>